Welcome to the LifeWay Student Ministry Podcast. I'm Ben Trueblood alongside John Paul Basham. Yo. We are excited to spend another episode with you. As we get started, here's your reminder to leave a rating and review. We love to hear what you think so that we can make the podcast better for you all the time. So uh, please leave your rating and review as well as hit the subscribe button while you're there. You can have this information delivered to you via notification every time we release a new episode. So uh, we ask you to do that stuff because it does help people find this student ministry podcast when they're in their podcast platform of choice searching for new content. So uh, it's content student ministry related anyway. So we would love for you to do those things as we get started. So here we are a couple weeks before Christmas. Are you excited? I am getting excited. (laughs) I am not an early Christmas excitement person, but I am getting excited now. So you hold off all the Christmas decorations until after Thanksgiving. You're that guy. We put our, yeah, we put our tree up the day after Thanksgiving, and I'm probably going to put the lights on the house very soon. This weekend, probably, unless it rains. So that would be uh, the weekend previous to this podcast being out there for people to listen to. Yeah. So by the time you're listening to this, I probably have lights on my house. And you're a fake tree guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I am a fake tree guy. The fake tree that already has the lights on it, like you just clip it together and plug it in? I wish. I have to string the lights still, and I hate it. It scratches your arms all up. You got to get in there, because I like the layers of lights. Yeah. So you got to put the first string close to the trunk. And then you, you know, spiral out from there. But I don't like putting the lights on the tree because of that. So you put a whole layer in close to the trunk. Oh, yeah. And then a whole nother layer toward the outside. Yep. I go white lights close to the trunk, multicolored lights around the outside. Oh, see, there's a whole dynamic here that... (laughs) (laughs) That's right. And then our kids put, I don't know if the your ages, you allow them to handle the ornaments. Yeah. We just don't do glass. Right. We uh, Ours put all the ornaments on the tree themselves, and they're usually... So it's a very spotty... And, like, we don't go back and correct it. We yeah. leave it with the two-foot-high to three-foot-high zone of ornaments all the way around the tree. <laughs> it's, like, it's like our so, tree's wearing a belt. No, <laughs> no ladder or chair to stand in. Tree topper? Yep. So we go with star. And uh, Adrian was the one to put it on the top this year. I held her up, and okay. she put it on the top. Okay. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's not the topic of our episode today, <laughs> though we're getting everyone in the Christmas spirit. And so that's that's helpful. Hopefully you are in the Christmas spirit as well. Uh, today on the episode of the LifeWay Student Ministry Podcast, I'm super excited for you guys to hear uh, from somebody that John Paul and I have known, oh boy, 15 years? More than that. More than that. So, so we have Jeff Belcher with us. So we've known Jeff 15 plus years, served together at a church in Alabama, uh, all three of us for a period of time anyway. And so that's how we first got to meet Jeff. And then recently, Jeff has been doing some work with us uh, through LifeWay students and works on uh, one of our ongoing lines of curriculum called Bible Studies for Life. 
and is an author with us as well. And his study is called Pray Like Jesus, Lessons from the Gospel of Luke. Uh, and primarily, Jeff, uh, his everyday ministry, I guess you can say, is a church planter in Baltimore. Um, so, Jeff, welcome to the LifeWay Student Ministry Podcast. Man, we are super excited that uh, you're spending some time with us today. Can't wait to for the audience to get to know you a little bit more like we have and to hear what you do in, in ministry there in Baltimore. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me, Ben. Appreciate you guys. Yeah. So, is there... You were about to say something, John Paul. So I'll. I'll... I was going to give Jeff the <laughs> the random curveball opportunity to share two things that he thinks that all of our podcast listeners would be interested to know about him to get to know him a little bit better. All right. So the random curveball opportunity number one is, um, given the nature of my ministry and what it takes to support ministry here in Baltimore, I travel a lot. And uh, I have a hashtag called Belcher Barbecue Tour. It's a lot of fun because I eat barbecue everywhere I go. It's fun for me anyway. Is that, <laughs> is that with the barbecue, is it BBQ in the actual hashtag or do you spell it out? I do not spell it out. Okay. It's already long, so keep it as short as possible. That's right. So Belcher BBQ Tour. That's it. And you can find out what's been your favorite so far. Well, uh, I would have to say that my favorite barbecue on the planet, and, and I don't do it by location. I do it by a specific meat or dish at yeah. a location. So there's a place in Kansas City called Jack Stack. They have a sandwich called the Martin City Mayor. That's got to be the top of the list. What is on the Martin City Mayor? I am very interested in this. Yeah. So it's actually barbecue hash. So I think there's burnt ends as well as maybe some pork in there that they chop very finely. They top it with slaw. I like their spicy sauce at that particular barbecue joint. So the whole package is amazing. Wow. Man, your barbecue tour knowledge has breathed new life into one local barbecue spot here in Nashville. And there's a place called Martin's, which is good. It's it's fine. It's one of those, like, in my opinion, barbecue's really hard to like seriously screw up so you're not wrong barbecue is going to be good you do disagree i feel like (laughs) that barbecue in our region of virginia well north carolina style barbecue is exempt from the e from the easy to screw up yeah (laughs) that just when it tastes like a jar of vinegar (laughs) it's been screwed up so, but around here, a barbecue place is generally going to be good. But yeah. Martin's was always just okay. So when people said, oh, let's go to Martin's, I was always hesitant and trying to steer another direction. And so Jeff comes into town this last time for the Etch Conference and asked him where he wanted to go to lunch. And he said, Martin's. And I was like, bro, you've been to so many places here. <laughs> on the tour, and you want to go to Martin's? And he said, well, the only thing I get there are the wings. And those wings have changed my life. I've been to Martin's like six times. <laughs> that was in wow. October. I've been there like six times since then and gotten wings. It's really good. Oh, they're killer. Have you had the Edley's wings? No, because I only eat brisket at Edley's. Yeah, well, that's a wise choice. I have had the Edley's wings, just so you know. Are Martin's better? I prefer Martin's primarily because I get them dry, and Martin's rub is amazing. There you go. 
Yeah. I've never had them there. The dry rub wings will change your wing life. The best brisket I've had is from Lockhart in the Dallas area. It's a good place. I've had it. I like the <laughs> It's like on the, the tour. I like the brisket there. All right, so you can find out uh, more more about Belcher's barbecue tour by going to the hashtag. Um, but we <laughs> we wanted to talk to you also. Uh, well, that was only one fact. That was. What's the second fact? Uh, let me could... <laughs> see. I, I, I got off track. <laughs> the second fact probably would be that I played music for a living in one form or another for about 17 years played a lot of music i build guitars i write music i record music so just uh the whole music experience has been a big part of my life yeah so do you uh i, I may be putting you on the spot additionally here uh do you build guitars as a way to help support what you're doing with your church plant yes and no so for a while i was doing that sort of on the side to uh, just to have money to support our family but not anymore okay well, I was going to give people a website. So Jeff can do all things music. It really is pretty incredible. Yeah, that's true. Are you still, you were going on tour for a little while. Are you still going on tour? So I haven't traveled too much leading worship, but we've led worship locally some, but more than anything else now. So I have six kids, as you guys know, uh, but we play a lot of music together. So we've been singing at some coffee houses and things like that. Just me and the family. Jeff really does. Uh, for those of you in the audience that have that have never met him, um, uh, he's another one of those like Swiss Army knife kind of people that does a lot of things really, really well. Uh, and you've been in Baltimore how long now, Jeff? So a couple of weeks ago, we celebrated five years. Okay, so has been uh, planting. Church in Baltimore, churches, plural, I guess, in Baltimore now for five years. Uh, we've known Jeff, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, for 15 plus. Um, and Jeff is an author with us and has written this Bible study called Pray Like Jesus. And so I, I would love to jump right into the conversation about the study and just ask what has changed for you in your view of prayer from ministry previous to planning a church in a city like Baltimore to now where you are after having done what you've been doing now for five years? How has, how has prayer changed for you in that transition of, of ministry? Yeah, I'll, I'll just qualify up front with this idea. Um, I think if you're going to move to a city like Baltimore from suburban Alabama to uh, to plant a church, you'd better be devoted to prayer to begin with, right? Mm, yeah. It'd be yeah. a pretty foolish endeavor <laughs> to do it without that. So I feel like there's, since we've um, entered into this particular season of ministry in Baltimore, uh, we've experienced an urgency that we didn't know prior to moving here, um, even beyond urgency to a sense of desperation at times. And uh, so we've always prayed, but in writing this study and in learning the things that I did, particularly about the ways that Jesus prayed while he was on the earth, um, it's definitely challenged me in a lot of ways. So I've um, just personally in my prayer life, I've always been structured and intentional in the ways that I've prayed, at least for a long time. For instance, I have a prayer book that guides the ways that I pray. 
So I'll make sure that I'm not just praying about the things that, I, that are on my mind in the immediate context. And I've done that for a long time. But just seeing the ways that Jesus prayed in relation to his ministry, in connection with uh, his relationships with his disciples in order to remain, uh, remain intimately connected with the Father, um, I've just realized that even despite seeing myself as, as a prayer, um, particularly since we've been in Baltimore, um, I felt like when I compare that to Jesus, who, why in the world would he need to pray anyway? I think that's the way we look at Jesus' life. Like, why in the world would he need to pray? But seeing the ways that he prayed and then measuring myself against that, I've realized really how pathetic <laughs> my mm-hmm. devotion to God has been, my, my prayer life is. So it's just challenged me. And that's been expressed in my life and my life with my kids and my wife and, and particularly in our church. For instance, Ben, just to answer your question with one really particular nugget that people can grab hold of, um, we've actually, be- before our gatherings every Sunday, uh, in the last year, we've instituted a prayer gathering prior to our worship gathering. So um, every Sunday before we worship, we have an hour where people just come and pray. Hmm. I would love, I know this doesn't specifically talk about what you learned in writing the study and, and how that's shaped your life, even as you put things that God was doing in your heart onto paper. Uh, but I do want to follow up on something that you said, just for the practical nature of our listeners and just to kind of give people a framework or a model that they can make their own. I would love for you to talk about the prayer book and what that process looks like for you. What are some simple things that can, you know, maybe there's a student pastor who's saying, I pray, but I'm looking to be more intentional and focused in my prayer life. Talk about what you do with that prayer book and and would love to learn from you there. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, a lot of us have learned probably over the years, the acronym ACTS, A-C-T-S, Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. I think that's a really good way to pray. The prayer book um, is really similar to that in that it gives me specific ideas to pray through every day. And I've actually got several books by the same author um, that focus on different ideas. Like one is bent toward like spiritual growth. One prayer book is bent toward uh, worship specifically. And each one has like 90 days of prayer. But every day, for instance, I'm just going to open up the book real quick. Um, In one particular book, um, every day has this idea of adoration. And then it gives scripture that speaks to the ways that God deserves, is worthy of our adoration. And then it just gives you a brief um, word on, or a word of encouragement and exhortation about how to pray over that scripture. And then on this particular day, the next one is confession. The next one is renewal. Um, and it gives scriptures about our being renewed day by day in the Lord, just asks to pray to that end. The next one is petition. The next one is intercession. Uh, then there's affirmation, thanksgiving, and then a closing prayer. So it's a little bit longer than our acts. But for me, if I'm going to spend 15, 20, 30 minutes in prayer, just having the focus on why is God worthy of our adoration and then praying to that end, talking about renewal, which is something that we don't necessarily think of continually, but just praying that God would renew me today so that I would have the, the focus and the energy and the commitment to, to living for him today. Just praying through those ideas has really been valuable to me. So this is a, a book that 
not that you are creating like in a journal or something. It's a book that's been written somebody else that you follow along. Yeah. Who, what is it? It's called, so um, there are different ones, but they're called face to face by an author named Kenneth Boa. Okay. And I've been using the two or three books that he's put out since probably around 2005 every day, pretty much. Cool. That's awesome. Is that something, like, do you write in those and keep track of what those prayers are, or you just continue to use them as a template for prayer? Yeah, no, it's not a journal. It's, um, it's just got a few scriptures and a few ideas every day to pray through. So, yeah, I, I have at times when I've journaled better than at other times, written down the ideas that stood out during my prayer times, but I don't regularly do that. Well, so I have a follow-up question as well to what you were talking about after you were talking about the journal. You mentioned in as someone who is um, disciplined uh, in prayer and intentional about prayer, even comparing yourself to Jesus the way that you see him pray, and, and in this study, specifically in the book of Luke, you said you felt like it was still, your prayer life was still not comparable to that of Jesus. What do you think, what stands out when you say that? Is that just the amount of time he spends praying or the way that he prays? What stands out to you? Yeah, I think really, John Paul, it's just the the heart of Jesus is expressed through his prayers. So I make the point in the book that um, Jesus compared to us, it seems like he doesn't necessarily need to pray. Like he's God, he's for eternity past, had an intimate connection with the Father and the Holy Spirit in heaven. And uh, for us, like we're separated by our sin. But the reason, the reasons that Jesus prayed as we find out um, in the Gospel of Luke is one, like the first place that we see Jesus praying is at his baptism. And immediately following his baptism, he's going to be thrust out by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness where he's going to be tempted by the devil. And um, it's my perspective that one of the reasons that he prayed was that he would have the strength and um, remain focused on the Father's purposes, remain intimately connected with the Father, even when he's out in that place being tempted by the devil. Um, he, he's going into that, and, and he prays um, about that. And for us, I think far too often, or for me specifically, I'll say, to answer your question, like a lot of times um, I enter into difficult situations. I'm doing ministry that's taxing. I'm engaging with people that are sometimes hard to deal with. Uh, and it tempts me to do things that dishonor God, but very rarely um, just in the middle moment to moment of all those things, am I just naturally praying? Um, I'm the one who needs to. Seems like Jesus may not necessarily have needed that because of who he is, but uh, the script is, script is, is flipped and when I compare myself to Jesus and just in that one idea, like I don't do very well. Yeah, I I think we've talked about on this podcast before times that I feel like I've just forgotten to pray. Yeah, well, just things get so crazy that it's that you get into crisis management mode, you know, or just put your head down in work mode and then. I'll find myself turning around days into that, overwhelmed and frustrated, and say, oh, maybe I should pray about this. Maybe that'd be a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, I resonate with that, too. Another thing that I see in Jesus is, like, before he chose the disciples, he spent all night in prayer. 
And that was a big decision, obviously, that would impact the, the future of the church, impact the whole world. And it was very important. Um, but it's not just that he was praying about those big decisions. He was continually praying. Um, and for me, again, just comparing myself to the ways that Jesus prayed, sometimes um, I, I naturally am bent toward prayer when I'm facing a crisis or when I feel desperation setting in. But just day to day, all the decisions that I make, uh, I feel like I do a, a fairly good job of praying without ceasing, just kind of have that spirit of prayer continually with everything that I do. But I'm not intentionally praying about sometimes even big decisions, certainly not the ways that that Jesus did. So um, just to see him pray for wisdom in making that decision, it, it's just something that challenges me. Yeah. So when we were talking about you writing this study, you were very intentional to choose some prayers that there's not a whole lot. Of, some of them, there's, the Scripture doesn't say a whole lot about some of these prayers. Right. And it's definitely not like Jesus' high priestly prayer. Right. Um, <clears throat> why did you choose the prayers that you chose to walk through for this study? Well, um, you and I talked, John Paul, before we even landed on a topic for this particular study, and we arrived together. And I think you drove it more than I did, but... Uh, we arrived together that a study on prayer is something that would be really valuable for students, for student pastors, for the church in general. And as we were talking about um, what specifically we would focus on in terms of prayer, um, I can just remember thinking about the Gospels. You know, we could have talked about the Lord's Prayer, but there's so much out there already that it would have been difficult for me to contribute anything unique. But as I thought about the Gospels, like there are four Gospels, and you guys are very familiar with the fact that each one of them has a distinct purpose. For instance, Matthew uh, appeals to Jesus as the king. Mark appeals to Jesus as a servant. Um, John appeals to Jesus as divine. And Luke, I feel like, points to Jesus in his humanity. And I think the way, just from my perspective, that Jesus' humanity is most clearly put on display is his prayer and his continual expression of dependence on the Father. So there are a number of prayers that Luke alludes to. He, like you said, he doesn't say a whole lot in terms of the content, yeah. but he tells us over and over and over again, when all the other gospels left this particular detail out, Luke tells us again and again that Jesus was praying in these certain instances. And even though the content's not there, I feel like the context uh, can help us to get some pretty clear pictures of the reasons and the ways that Jesus prayed. So, there just wasn't a whole lot um, written about that. I had trouble finding anything written about that specific idea. Jesus, peculiar prayers in Luke, as some people refer to them. Um, so I was just really curious about it myself. Like, okay, we've got all these prayers in Luke that the other gospel writers didn't talk about. What's behind all that? So as I began to look into that, I was like, man, this would be something that would be really valuable for more and more people to understand. Was there one of these prayers that you that you wrote on that stood out above the others or that you feel like you learned more from one than some of the others? Yeah, I think so. So one of the sessions in the book is called to see Jesus glory. Yeah. And, and that one challenged me personally more than any of the others. So here's a little bit that's behind those thoughts. So Jesus, he um, takes his disciples to Caesarea Philippi, and really, it's a center of pagan worship in all the region, and really a center of pagan worship 
in the world at the time. There's a cave uh, where people offered sacrifices to the pagan god Pan. And uh, if you've ever been there, it's a pretty just um, amazing site. You can still see uh, what's remaining there of the ways that people worshiped. But Jesus took his disciples there to Caesarea Philippi, and he asked them the question, um, who do you say that I am? And we're very familiar with that. Like yeah. the disciples said, you know, you're a prophet, John the Baptist. Uh, and then Peter speaks up and he says, you're the Messiah. You're the son of God. You're the one that God has promised for generations that he would send to deliver God's people from oppression. And they realized in that moment something that they hadn't realized before. Prior to that conversation, Luke tells us that Jesus had been praying. And I think we can take away that he was praying for his disciples because immediately after that conversation, then Jesus is going to, as the Bible says, set his face toward Jerusalem, where he's going to enter into more heavy persecution, which is ultimately going to lead to his crucifixion. So if the disciples are going to stick with him and they're going to accomplish the mission that he has for them, then they have to move from seeing him as some good teacher, some rabbi, to seeing him as the Messiah, the one that God has promised. Jesus' prayers, I think, was central to their understanding that. So that's just part of that particular session. We move forward and Peter calls, I'm sorry, Jesus calls Peter, James, and John on the mountain where they're going to witness his transfiguration. Yeah. And again, when he's on the mountain, he's praying. They fall asleep, but they wake up and they see him having a conversation with Moses and Elijah. Um, but I, I believe, again, what he's praying for in that moment is the same thing that he had prayed prior to asking them, who do the people say that I am? Because when they woke up, they saw not only Jesus as the Messiah, but they saw his glory manifest in a way that they hadn't before. Um, I think sometimes we get really familiar with Jesus. Like we know that he's the savior. We've heard it all our lives. If we spent any time in church, we know that he's glorious. We know he's holy, that he's righteous, that he's good, that he's loving, that he's sacrificial. But I think sometimes um, we become so familiar that we kind of lose the sense of wonder as to who Jesus is and what studying that particular idea and what I've written in that particular session has challenged me with is personally, I get too familiar. And if I'm going to continually see Jesus for who he is and to have new eyes, you know, renewed way of seeing Jesus day by day, he's infinite in nature. So there's always more and more to see of him. If I'm going to experience him in that way, then I have to be praying in the same ways that Jesus prayed for his disciples to see his glory. Man, I love the language and the way that you phrased that specifically around if the disciples were going to complete the mission, continue following Jesus into a more difficult circumstance than what they have previously experienced, if they're going to fulfill the calling and the thing that, that has been put in front of them, then they needed to see Jesus for who he was and is rather than great teacher, maybe even supernatural, but not for all of who he is. And I think about the role of a student pastor for those who have been called into, quote, the ministry, for those who have been called and set apart for a special task, and prayer being the link between 
seeing Jesus as somebody who called me to something, somebody who's a great teacher, somebody that I can learn a lot from, and actually knowing him, having the strength and power to follow him, having the, the strength to finish the unique calling and race that he's given us. Yeah. And seeing prayer as the link between information and intimacy is something that I haven't considered quite the way, Jeff, that you just presented it in that, in that way. And I think that's really, really important because there, there are moments I can specifically go back to in my own ministry and say, in hindsight, Ben, you were living on information in this moment and not intimacy. Yeah. And I think that's a place that it's really easy to lead students to live in, too. Totally. Because is. we focus on teaching, 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 teaching. You know, we students are getting ready to, you know, to graduate and head off to college. And we've got to get this, you know, these apologetics drilled into their mind because they're going to you know, interact with these college professors. And we've kind of addressed this in, in the research, you know, is the, is the evil college professor that challenges your <laughs> faith really the thing that draws everybody off track, you yeah. know, but, but I think a lot of student ministries fall into that, man, we got to get them ready with this knowledge that they need to be able to combat the messages that are, that are going to come at them but we don't build into them the tools that they need to develop the relationship that holds all of that up and that proves all of that knowledge to be true about who we say Jesus is. Yeah. Well, I mean, think about guys that, that you've discipled, that you've spent a lot of time with, that, and some of them are the same guys yeah. that I have. Some of them are not. But how, how much more often do we, and I'll be a little bit more, more general here, as student pastors or student ministry people, ask somebody, hey man, what are you looking at on your phone? What are you looking at on your computer? What are you reading in God's word? Versus what's your prayer what life like? Yeah. I mean, the, the ratio between those two things is... Sadly, very large. I I would I, so I, this is where I'll I'll stop assuming on the student ministry population at large and say that I personally have asked the first two questions more than I have the third question. Yeah, by a wide margin. Yeah, I would I would say the same thing. Even in relationship, I mean, my wife Crystal and I were just talking recently about some rhythms that that we need to to get into just to be a little bit more intentional with with one another and you know we talked about you know man let's let's talk for 30 minutes you know this is something that we've we've done in the past and need to do again let's talk for 30 minutes every night after the kids go to bed and before we start doing other things and that conversation was really around you know let's just connect on what's happening in life and um, talk about what we're reading. We both are on the same reading plan and listening to a podcast that goes with it. So let's talk about that. But, but even in that, we, we didn't say, man, we should really talk about what we're praying yeah. about and what, what we're praying for. Yeah. Um, and that seems like such a, like a lot of other things, like such a no brainer. Of course we should talk about, what we're talking to Jesus about regularly. Mm -hmm. but Jeff, what, I wonder just, I mean, you've been 
around before church planning life, uh, you've been around a lot of student ministry in your, so I, I want listeners to make sure and, and know that like, this is somebody who has spent a lot of years in student ministry and knows teenagers and has kids in his own home. And so like, he's, you're getting perspective here from somebody who knows your world. Uh, why do you think having studied a lot on prayer and having, having written on prayer and having walked through, through things like you just articulated that you've learned on prayer in your own life, why do you think it's one of the spiritual disciplines that seems to rise to the top of the neglected section of spiritual disciplines? Because we really are quick to say, man, I need to be in God's word every day and not so quick to focus on prayer in the same, in the same breath. Yeah, I've heard it said, and I can't remember which theologian said it, but they said if, you know, if, if a Christian is going to practice 92 disciplines, then Bible study and prayer are absolutely essential. It's, he wasn't saying that the, the other ones aren't necessarily, but Bible study and prayer are integral to our relationship with Christ. I think we'd all agree on that. Uh, but like you said, Ben, I think we do neglect prayer a lot. And I think just my perspective off the cuff is it seems to be a little less tangible. It's less practical. Sometimes it's mm. a little bit more difficult to kind of just get our fingers in and understand exactly how it works. Um, I think as Bible teachers, we can tell people, okay, these are the, the ways that we're to interpret scripture and we have to pay attention to the words and the context. And it's, it's a practical thing to understand how to do that, but to learn to pray, it's just, uh, it, it seems a little bit less tangible about how to learn to do that. Maybe that's why. Yeah. I think you're right. I think a lot of people are intimidated by, you know, I, I don't know what to say. You know, yeah. I, I don't, if I sit down to pray, you know, I, I've got three or three or four minutes of things that I feel like I can say. And then, and then I'm out of ideas. It's big gulps, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and that's where I think a couple of things. One, the the prompts that you have used for a long time in those books to help you know what to pray about. Yeah. And also a study like this, seeing the way that Jesus prayed, um, that's that can very much be a model too. You know, it, yeah. the events that we see in Scripture that prompted Jesus to pray for the things that he prayed for are very much applicable to our own lives and can give us those same prompts. How do you think, you know, as you walked through all of these, uh, at his baptism in deserted places, all night in prayer to see Jesus' glory, only through Jesus, faith that endures, as you kind of walked through all of these, how do you think— those categories can become a, a a pathway for students to learn how to pray. Well, um, if I had to kind of break it down into broader categories, so Jesus prayed for strength to live well. Uh, so I think that's something that we need to categorically pray for continually. Jesus prayed uh, just unceasingly for the sake of his relationship with his father um, for instance, there were days that he was out doing ministry and he would um, be absolutely worn out. And I know for us, uh, most students, most student pastors, probably, if we're honest with ourselves, after a long day when we're worn out, what we want to do is sit down and veg out or maybe watch TV or uh, enjoy something to 
to snack on or something to drink. But what Jesus naturally turned to when he was worn out was prayer, just because he longed for the satisfaction that came from intimacy with his father more than kind of feeding his body yeah. uh, with kind of the things that satisfy our desires. Um, he prayed for the people that he loved, particularly the disciples. He prayed for wisdom to make um, the right decisions. So um, those are just categorically some things that stand out in my mind that we need to continually be aware of. I think just in general, in terms of the study and in terms of personal spiritual health and ministry leadership, all of that kind of rolled up into one thing. It would be pretty difficult for us to lead a ministry devoted to prayer and to see students devoted to prayer in the way that we're talking about if it's not first in us. Right. If that's not yeah. something that God is doing simultaneously in us as as he does it in them. And so I would encourage student pastors that that are listening to this, one, you don't have to get to a certain place before you can begin to show others how to be devoted to prayer. That's right. It's something that can happen simultaneously in your heart as you say, hey, I'm going to make this, to make this a priority in my life. I'm going to begin seeking Jesus in prayer. You can do that while you also teach others how to do it. Uh, avoid the shame and guilt of, man, I have not done this in the past, and just start today. I think that's a very, very practical. If you've not been a person of, of prayer, you can start doing that. And I think Jeff pouring a lot that he learned through the Gospel of Luke and the prayers of Jesus into a format like this is a tool, student pastors, that you have in your tool belt to go on that journey with a group of students and with your ministry at, at the same time. Certainly a tool that you can have in your tool belt. <laughs> right, yes. And <laughs> and what better way than to start that discipline on your own than to buy your own Pray Like Jesus kit. That's right. And books for your students. Hey, that really is, I, I really have done that for sure on multiple occasions. It used my student ministry and my students and leaders as a test kitchen for things that I needed to to grow in. Yeah. You know, just, man, I got to get better at this. I'm preaching a sermon series on it in three months, and I'm going to study for it leading up to it, and these are all the things that we're going to do, and really so much of that came out of the prompting that the Lord, you know, was placing on my own heart. Yeah. And so you learn alongside your students, and, and really there's no better way to learn some of those things than preparing yourself to teach it. Yeah. Well, and I, I think if you think like God has put you in the place that you're leading right now, not just for what he's already done in your life and what he's already showed you and what you've already learned to instill in a group of people, but God's plan down the road for you and what he's going to teach you and what you are going to learn and walk through in the future He's got you with those people to learn, to, to show and teach them and lead them and disciple them in the things that you've not learned yet as well. It's not just a, okay, you've reached this point and you're going to get this group of people to understand these things and then you're done. I think the assumption is 
we are going to continue to grow in our knowledge and understanding and intimacy with the Lord. And as we do, our people need those things as well. Yeah. So I think you should go to lifeway.com forward slash pray like Jesus. There you go. And um, you can see you can see some sample content. Uh, Jeff did some killer teaching videos that are kind of I am second style setting uh, for those teaching videos where Jeff walks your students through eight to ten minutes kind of hitting the high points of the lesson and then we've got some student books for them to interact with you as you teach the rest or hand it off to some volunteers. Um, It's an amazing study. We gave this study away to over 5,000 ministry leaders this past summer at all of our camps and events and uh, had some incredible feedback from them, and uh, we would love for you to benefit from it too. Yeah, so you can go to lifeway.com slash pray like Jesus. The videos are worth it in content, but really just you can behold Jeff's beard uh, in those videos <laughs> as well. It is a beautiful thing so to if behold. You, <laughs> if you want to do that. Uh, and in case you're interested, the book that Jeff mentioned earlier in what he does uh, in his own personal prayer life is Kenneth Boa's face-to-face series, and he mentioned that there are a couple of those. So if you're trying to remember what that was, that was that. Can't go wrong with a good Boa. Nope. Jeff, any last words? I don't think so. Okay. It's a pleasure to be with you guys. You too, man. Always good to talk. This has been another episode of the LifeWay Student Ministry Podcast. We will see you next time. See ya.